everyone, this is Sterling and you are listening to Arts District, the podcast. Today I'm joined by Lindsay. She's the artistic director of Stomping Ground Comedy Theater. Uh, this turned out to be a really, really insightful conversation. I'm so excited to hear what you all think about it. So I'm going to jump right in. All right. This is Lindsay. Hi. Can you tell me um, who you are and walk me through your career and how you got to where you are today? Wow, like who I am existentially um, and career-wise? Correct. All of it? Okay. All of it. Uh, yeah, so I was born. <laughs> uh, no, so I, but I was, I was born in rural Kansas. Ooh. Yeah, so I'm like a Kansas country girl i guess you could say um and i moved to texas to come to school i went to a&m commerce and got my degree in acting and directing and then after school i moved to dallas and i was in a theater i auditioned was in a theater company and i was sort of doing theater but while i was in college i had done a lot of improv and i had taken improv classes and as I was sort of in the theater world in in Dallas, I found myself really gravitating towards improv and then uh, doing more of it. And then went to, decided that I wanted to go train in Chicago at the, the comedy Mecca. Mm-hmm. And so I went to Second City and auditioned for their improv conservatory and was accepted in the conservatory, went through that entire program It was a little over a year. And then I happened to, there's a track that you can take that's like the, um, I wanna be on SNL track, Mm -hmm. which is long and tiresome. And you work hard and and make a lot of sacrifices. And and that had never really been my uh, goal going in anyway. My goal was to come back uh, to Dallas and share what I had learned. And so, I, I instead uh, was recruited and joined this sketch group that did a weekly sketch show um, all over the city at different venues, including at the second at one of the second city stages. And I did that for a couple of years, did uh, sometimes every other week, but sometimes weekly sketch show and was acting and had an agent and sort of did that for a while while I also had a day job. And then moved back to Dallas and was doing more improv and directing, directing uh, children's musicals and children's plays. And then decided that I needed to, that there was a need for a different kind of improv venue and training center in Dallas. And so I happened to meet someone who shared that the vision that I shared Mm -hmm. and she also happened to be a psychotherapist and was using improv in her work with her patients. And we made stomping ground comedy, which Mm -hmm. is our comedy theater, uh, a nonprofit comedy theater in May of 2017 and then opened our brick and mortar space in early 2018. And now here we are, 
with this wonderful thing. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's pretty young. I didn't realize how young it is. It's very young. Uh, so we have a long way to go, but we feel really good about where we are. Good. Um, so when you went to Chicago, did you go to Chicago because of Second City or did you like the idea of Chicago as a city? I had never been to Chicago when I moved there. I, I pulled in the moving truck and with my husband and that was my new home. I've yeah. never been there. So I literally went because I knew the comedy training there was awesome. Mm-hmm. There's Second City, but then there's IO, Annoyance, and, and now there's several other venues. And then of course there's amazing theater, Steppenwolf, and um, there's so much art there. And so we really went for that specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually terrified of the city because it's so cold. And I don't do that. Yeah, I'm really interested in what makes people choose New York versus L.A. versus Chicago or otherwise when they do go off. Yeah, I think it's what you want to do. Yeah. I mean, I think Chicago makes sense for a lot of Midwesterners Mm. who are from this area. Well, I was, like I said, from Kansas and because it it still has very much a small town feel. Mm -hmm. You people are pretty friendly and you're not too far, you know, I could I could drive a long drive from Kansas to Chicago. So it feels like this stepping stone, I guess, because a lot of the people I knew uh, at the time in Chicago, they have now gone on to New York or LA. So it, for some people, I think it's kind of a stepping stone. Right. For me, I never intended to go to New York or LA. Yeah. I, that was not the life I ever wanted, mm-hmm. uh, but God speed to anyone who does it because it's tough yeah i did los angeles that's and the hardest <laughs> one thank you for saying that um yeah i but i moved there knowing like i'm just gonna watch the clock until i've been here long enough and i can leave because oh. uh, i did not want it like i knew i didn't want to stay i was just kind of i don't know that this is accurate in any way but i felt <laughs> like I don't want to go to grad school. So if I don't go to grad school, I have to go to one of the big cities in order to move back and for anyone to take me seriously. To sort of get that equivalent experience. I totally get that. And I don't disagree with it. And also I agree with it from like a life standpoint. I wanted to move to a big city because I didn't want to turn 50 and be like, I never lived in like a cool dream city yeah and i don't want to regret that so let me go ahead and just tackle it now while i'm in my 20s and it was kind of like i knew it was going to be a nightmare i just needed to prove to myself like yeah you hated this so now when you're when you're older and you look back you'll you'll remember but you happy you are you did go to the one that makes people insane yeah so good for you what? I've seen people move there and then come out and be like, I'm, that made me crazy. I, 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 now I hate myself. What show? I hate my body. Yeah. I hate how I look. I hate this business. Like it will make people crazy. Yeah. I feel terrible for them. What show just came out and it was, oh, it was you, you on Netflix. The one with all the memes. He's walking, yeah, he's walking through Los Angeles and he walks by like an art wall and it's just a line of like hyper beautiful women like filming themselves in yes. front of, and I was like, oh my god, that's mm, they nailed it. That's what it's like to walk yes. down Melrose. Yes, um, all the yes, 
It is a bizarre place that can do weird things to your self-worth. And, yeah. And I had a I had a really wonderful agent who did not make me hate my body and hate the way I look, but kind of steered me towards like, this is how you look and this is what you can do. Mm-hmm. And in a really, in a way that didn't box me in, but made me mm-hmm. go, oh my God, yeah. This is what I can focus on, and this is how I can, like, move forward. That's also, part of that is is mental for the actor, mm-hmm. because I, I sort of went through the same thing. I had to definitely, in my early 20s, go through that uh, realization of, of, oh, I'm, I'm probably, in most people's vi- view, not an ingenue, mm-hmm. and... Uh, you know, I spent like everybody else. I spent, you know, my high school and college years playing the ingenue, the yeah. queen, the princess, stuff like that. And then when I got to be an adult and realized, oh, I'm not a queen or a princess, and that's fine, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I signed with my agent in Chicago, they literally signed me. When they said, "Have you seen those Altoids ads where people are like making crazy faces and they look like really bizarre?" And I was like, uh-huh. And they were like, that's kind of like what we're have in mind for you. And I was like, cool. So my face is bizarre. You know what? <laughs> Better than nothing. And and then I, it took, you know, it, t- it took a while for sure. But I began to see that as sort of this commodity of like, oh, well, there are a million princesses out there. But I can do these, I can play these fun characters mm-hmm. and I can look bizarre, I guess. And I just needed to know going into every audition that I have a specific look and a specific thing that I do. And usually they're not going to be looking for that. Yeah. And that's not me. That's just what they're yes. looking for. And if I can be okay with that and know that I'm not, that I'm great, mm-hmm. then this business will not destroy me. Yeah. That's so important to know walking in. And I, I think I've told this story before but I remember like I did headshots because my agent was like you need new headshots and I was like trying to be like sexy and sultry because I worked as an intern at my agent's office and so I was seeing all these casting calls that were like hot girl music video girl and I was like "Mm, yes me hot hot me and she looks at the pictures and she goes sterling you're not the one night stand girl you're the marriage material girl and i was like thank you and so she like literally was like go watch these shows she's like do you know who leslie mann is you're leslie mann type and i was like i love that like i love that and it like instead of because in college when we talked about type it was like it made me feel smaller Yes. yes and the way she talked about it was like oh, this is very enlightening and I know what to do with myself now. Yes, but also we're very lucky and you're very lucky to be in a time where funny women are uh, and quirky, yeah. the quirky best friend. It's um, the new... Judy, Judy Greer? Ju- no, yeah. not Judy Greer. Ju- I Oh, yep, Judy. Because yeah. sometimes I say Pam and people are like, no, no. <laughs> Pam Greer and Judy Greer are very different, Lindsay. Um, no, Judy, like Judy Greer. Yes. She's working. Yeah. Um... But I sort of was having my career at the time when that was happening, right? As Amy Poehler and Tina Fey were becoming popular in the early aughts Mm -hmm. is when I was starting my career. 
And I'm so excited for women now can like be celebrated for like, you're, you're funny, you're quirky, you're whatever, whatever word they use to describe it. I have a similar story about headshots, but I got my headshots before I had an agent. So I didn't have anyone telling me like, no, 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 no. Put that one in the trash. Come get one that represents you. So I got, I got, I was like, okay, I'm going to get a headshot. That's like the best of the best. So this is, gosh, like 2005, 2006, and 2006. And so I got this photographer was coming in from LA. She only, she only shoots with natural light, mm-hmm. um, which at the time was like so big. Um, and I paid like over $700 for these shots, right? Uh, I mean, this was like, I was like, I'm making an investment in my career. And I looked so hot. <laughs> <laughs> I probably look the hottest I've ever looked in my life. I will never look that hot again. And I'm at peace with that. But you can't that. replicate it. Well, here's what would happen. Yeah. I would walk into auditions where they had gotten my shot or I'd hand them my shot and they look at the picture and then they look at me and I could feel in their head that they were like, cool, can where's this girl? <laughs> where's this hot girl? Because I'm seeing you and this does not compute. And I was like, sorry, I'm not that hot. Uh, that picture says a thousand words about me that are untrue. Uh, so it's really, really similar. And I know that I I definitely would urge women now in the business, like get, get a shot that represents you and what you do. Yeah. I got new shots like two weeks ago and I, that morning I was like, I'm going to go get my makeup done. And then I had the thought, if I go get my makeup done professionally, I can't replicate that. So I should just do my own makeup. That's true. Because that's how I'm going to look when I walk in. Yes. Yes. Unless, they just, and I was also thinking like, I'll go to Mac. And like, when you leave Mac, you look like, yes. But or they just like do a natural look yes. that makes you just look like a polished version of yourself. Right. Yeah. Um, which I, I probably can't even make myself look like that anymore. <laughs> just a polished. Ugh. <laughs> but, but that does bring up like the reason that I think I gravitated towards improv and I preach this to every theater person that I meet is that I got really, uh, I was cool with my type. I, 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 I became at peace with that, but the body expectations, I got really exhausted with Mm -hmm. because I think I was, I was, I was at peace with my, what I could do, my talent, what my skills were and what my skills weren't. But what I was not at peace with and what I'll always struggle with is my body. And I found that every time I went to an audition and I, my body was judged or my body was not the right type for a part, that was destroying me. This was more theatrical than it was uh, film print. Mm. Um, but it, it, was, it was, it was destroying me. And I was like, you know what, I can go through this or I can go on stage and play 10 different characters and my body doesn't matter in any of them. And some of yeah. them are men and some of them are children and I can play whatever the heck I want and be really happy and make people laugh. And I think I'm going to do that yeah. instead of destroy myself every day. Yeah. And so that's what I, what I do. <laughs> it's fun. That's great. Yeah. So, um, so we're collaborating Right yeah, we're doing um, an all women sketch comedy review. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about 
why it was important to have a sketch review that was all women or how you guys came to that decision? Yeah, so I love working with women. I, they're just the best. And I, I've done sketch before uh, often, right? And, but there's always been limitations on how many women could be in a sketch. You know, well, we only have three women in the cast or, well, we, we don't have this type of woman, so we can't talk about this. Mm -hmm. So there were always these limitations in what we could do uh, and they always surrounded women. And I was like, what if we just said, let's go bonkers on everything women and, 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 and let them do everything. And so, and I also like, obviously I feel very strongly about, uh, I'm, I'm a, about women's issues. I'm a pretty fierce advocate. I'd like to think. And, uh, and so all the, with all those things combined, I was like, I have to, I have to direct this show. I have to feature women. I, oh, I just, and it's been a joy. Like I am blown away. Even the auditions, so many women left that audition and then talked to me later and were like, that was the most fun audition. Like mm -hmm. I felt good. Even women who weren't cast were like, I loved that. And yeah. I just sharing that space with all those talented women and feeling that like positive energy was so great. And it was like, that's what I want. Yeah. I want even people who weren't cast to go, I want to, that's a place I want to be. Yeah. Those are people I want to work with. Uh, because that's, nobody should leave an audition and feel like trash. Mm -hmm. No matter how they did in the audition. So, and I'd like to think that part of that is improv too. I, I love, you know, improv is all um, about sharing and building things together and collaborating. Mm -hmm. And to do that, you have, uh, you're open and you build trust with each other. And I believe very strongly that you do your best work when you feel safe to mm -hmm. do your best work. And so I try to cultivate that sort of environment. And so the power of like a room full of 20 women and then the principles of improv just created this audition mm -hmm. that was like transcendent. It was so definitely, I mean, Oddly enough, even though everyone in there was, like, up for the same roles or, like, the same type, quote-unquote, right. it felt very non-competitive. And it felt like, we're just here to play. Yeah, we're playing. Yeah. And, and, and I loved that there were, that everyone felt good. And there were women who, that was literally their first audition. And there were equity actresses there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but right now... None of that None matters. Of that matter. You're all incredible and you're going to crush it. Yeah. That's what I wanted. Yeah. And they, they, everybody did. They did their best work. Yeah. I love group auditions. Me too. I'd much rather go in there because everyone just kind of chills out and it's like, stop thinking about the future and think about what right, what's right now and like get to know the person across from you and stop wish more auditions were like that because so many of them are like keep your head down walk in don't talk in the lobby you're gonna walk in introduce yourself say your thing and then walk out and don't say bye to anyone on the way out don't talk to anyone <laughs> and what happened before you doesn't matter and yeah. what happens after you doesn't matter yeah it's 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 so intimidating and 
I, now that I look at that process, having, you know, not done it in a bit, it's like, how, how was I supposed to, how is that setting me up to be my best? Mm -hmm. Uh, Me walking in there shaking and terrified. Like, that's why I did improv when we opened the audition. Because it's like, I want you all to feel comfortable Mm -hmm. or you're not going to do your best. Um, Make make me comfortable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Before I have to, like, spout Shakespeare. Yeah, and it's also like, if I'm going to spend the next four to six weeks with you, I just want to know that you're a good person. (laughs) That's fair. Uh, I remember I had an audition for Missoula Children's Theater and you had to do a monologue and you had to sing. And they were like, we don't care if you can't sing. Mm-hmm. We care because their whole model was that it's you and one other person in a truck going city to city for three months all summer. So they were like, we want to know that you're the kind of person that can be two feet away from your partner for three months straight without driving each other crazy. Wow. And they were like, and we feel like we can, you know, see that when we talk to you. So you had like a phone interview and like a Skype audition and da da da. So they were like, that's what we're looking for. And I was like, oh, I can be that person. Yeah. That's that's intense. I can. (laughs) But some people definitely is and like I mean I got very lucky because my husband and I, who was my boyfriend at the time, both got accepted and they would allow you to tour together. together. You just weren't allowed to tell anyone Unless you were married, you couldn't tell them that you were dating. Uh, Missou- Missoula, Montana? Yeah, Montana. Amazing. Yes, it was, it was a very, it's a great company to work for. Hmm. But um, with the sketch review, what are you looking for in auditions for something that's so improv based? And no. <laughs> I'm looking for people who can. Uh, do a, uh, so you have to play, you know, now you're playing what, six to eight different characters. So people who will play different characters with different points of view. And that doesn't mean that you have to have a different, uh, look or a different voice or be Carol Burnett, you know, it just means that you can play different statuses, different, uh, uh, emotional levels. Now, now sure. It is fun when I have people who can uh, our, our, our chameleons. Yeah, that's fun. And I can, and I can use that, but it's not necessary. Um, but different emotional points of view, different physicality and different, um, different statuses. And then I'm definitely looking for people who will go out there and make bold choices. I would rather, I mean, every director will tell you, like, I'd rather pull some, have to pull someone back than have to like push it out of them. Um, but also, you know, uh, as as when sketch, you can really uh, you can build the show. You can help craft the show when you're the actor because I'll let you play with lines or let you make a choice and then be like, "Yep, that's we're keeping." I mean, I've said that to you several times. We're like, "Yep, we're keeping that line. <laughs> uh, throw that in." Uh, so it's not you know you can really 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 make the show your own and guide its vision. So I like it when people make bold choices and I'm like, yeah. oh, I never would have done that. And you did it and you're, let's, mm-hmm. more of that, please. That was good to know. Cause I remember I'm not a writer, but I have a lot of friends who are writers mm-hmm. and the writing is very precious and yes. very 
it's mine and, and don't mess with it. So I remember in the audition, I was like, I kind of want to tweak this line, but I'm so scared I'm going to offend the four writers in the room. Yes. So I went like a couple of rounds without doing it. And then when I finally did it, I felt like it paid off. And so then it was like, you're like okay, okay, you're, okay, it's safe. You can do that just a little bit. You're not. That's actually you can't drive it off the road. I should actually point that out next yeah. time that we can play with stuff because I, I I forgot like coming from the theater world. Yes, those lines are very precious, mm-hmm. and uh, it's important to to do them as written. But also, sketch writers. I mean, they're taught like we're gonna play with this, mm-hmm. and we're not gonna change the uh, scope of your work, or we're not gonna do anything big without your knowledge, but yeah, some of this will evolve a little bit. And um, now after it's locked in and those jokes are tight, yeah. then if people start playing with it, I'm like, okay, that was a really great joke. And I need you to, now I need you to do it as written. We played yeah, with yeah, it. Yeah. We got the hottest yeah. joke. So now do the joke. Yes. <laughs> so there does come a point where like the playing stops and the experimentation stops. And I'm like, no, 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 do, do the joke, do the joke. Yeah. The writer actually wrote a really great joke there. <laughs> so it has its limitations, but uh, I love that the writers are totally prepared for like, this work is not precious. It, even like, they'll even say, this is not precious to me. Mm-hmm. Make it, if it's, you find something funnier, do it. And, but that's part of learning how to write sketch is someone telling you, you gotta, you gotta be flexible. Yeah, go. You gotta let, we're trying to make the funniest <laughs> thing possible. Um, we're, we're not trying to, we're not Shakespeare here. We're trying to make people laugh. So keep it in perspective. Um, but, you know, so it's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to go back to Second City. Did you enjoy your training there? Do you feel like you're very much using it still today? That is such For a anyone great who's like, question. I think I might want to go to Second City or UCB or IO. I. What should they consider? Well, I would recommend going to any or all of those places uh and and all of them are very different Mm -hmm. and have a different focus and have a different vibe and uh, so I would recommend any of those uh for Second City specifically uh I think my experience was sort of a mixed bag um only because I happen to have the same teacher three times I had six levels and three of no four oh my gosh I don't know way too many of them yeah or with the same person um an older I, I never had a female teacher I never had a female improv instructor which I really wanted mm. and uh <laughs> it makes me sad that I didn't get one and so I it was a mixed bag I learned some great stuff specifically about so there so uh, second city's program is interesting because they are actually through their improv conservatory teaching you to turn your sketches sorry your improv into sketches so at the end you don't actually do an improv showcase like most improv training centers you do a sketch showcase which is very different and not like uh, uh, every other improv training center so if you are trying to learn 
what they do on the Second City main stage or on SNL, it is a great place to go. And also, I like this was 10, almost 12 years ago. So I hope to God, like, there's been, you know, there's teacher changes and there's so who knows now? Gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. comedy's evolved so much in 20 years, 10 years. I don't even know. But I, what I will say is that through classes and the training center, I met, that's how I met all of the people that I later ended up working with. I have this crazy story. How I ended up doing sketch in Chicago was that in my level one conservatory class, there was this guy and he was really good. Well, also Alex Moffat from SNL was in my class too. Oh, I should mention that. Yes. I went through levels with him. Um, that isn't the guy I'm going to talk about now. (laughs) He was good too. Uh, but this guy, he was so good. And I was like, he, I, this guy's amazing. He's on another level. And we would work together and we do scenes together. And like one day I was like, you're really good. And he was like, you're really good. And I was like, no. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And then it comes out later. He was like, so I'm actually the musical director at Second City. Uh, I play all their main stage and I teach their musical and pro program. And he's like, I, we're encouraged to audit the early level classes. And I was like, Sneaky. that's why you're so good. <laughs> um, but he later ended up uh, uh, casting me in that re- that sketch show that I was doing. Mm-hmm. And he ended up teaching me everything I know about musical improv and sketch comedy and sketch comedy writing and, and, and the cast of the show that I was a part of. So... It was through Second City that I got these other opportunities. So it's really hard for me uh, to it, to look at it as a negative experience because so much good came out of it. Mm-hmm. Even if every class wasn't like, oh my God, I learned so much and this was transcendent. So much good came out of that experience. Yeah. I could, I, so I would recommend it. And I don't know, just being in that environment with that higher level of uh, experiences it elevates your, it elevates your work for yeah. sure. And it's humbling. Yeah. <laughs> it's I'm, good to be humbled every once in a while. Yeah, I'm kind of just for the first time, I mean, I've been out of college for a while, but just now am working with actors who are just not in my age group, mm-hmm. which is so nice. And uh, it, Older or younger? Like both. Oh. Um, yeah. Because you go through college and everyone's You're 22 right. and... Mm-hmm. And you're all playing 70-year-olds. And <laughs> now it's like, no, a 70-year-old's going to play a 70-year-old. And you're like, ooh, what? what? That's appropriate. Uh, but yeah, like like when we did Pan, I had castmates that were 17 and castmates yes. in their 30s. and Or scene partners that are in their 40s or 50s. and It's inspiring I love, to work yeah, with them. It's, yes. it's actually inspiring. Um you touched on musical improv. That was my next question. Ah. Did so? Did you write both of the songs? Yes. Sketch. Yes. So, did you hone in on that skill at at Second City? How did you learn how to do? That? Yes. So the same guy that I'm talking about, uh, Mike Dakota. So he uh, taught me how to write comedy songs. So a little different than musical improv, where you're literally making it all up on the spot. Um, which we totally do at our theater, and it's crazy, and it's yes. the best. I, real quick, saw musical improv once when I was at UCB, and it's the most thrilling. It's thrilling. 
I mean, it's like you're on a roller coaster, but when they nail it, it's just so satisfying. Everyone should go see musical. It's so satisfying for us too. Um, and yes, everyone comes to musical improv. It is like transcendent for the performer and transcendent for the audience. And we do a show called Broadway-ish, the third Saturday of every month, where we, so we take a musical that already exists and we list the songs. You have to see this too. It, it, okay. It, you'll, it, because we're all, well, we're all kind of in it together. Mm-hmm. It's one of those shows where the audience and the performers are all like, we're going to do this together. And it feels very communal. Mm. And so we take a, we have a list of songs from a musical. Like last time, I think it was Rent. And we wrote eight songs from Rent on a whiteboard. And that I have to give credit to. This is a, a, a show that is done, that was done in Chicago at IO called uh, Broadway. And uh, it's a, so it's a form that exists. And, and we, re, we did it here and then we renamed it. They taught us etc etc so um so we write the eight songs and then we tell the audience like but we're not going to do rent we want you uh to rename this musical and they named it like lent lent (laughs) l-e-n-t okay and then we were like okay so now we need a bonus song at the end and something that has nothing to do with anything and they were like you know they said uh smash mouth or something Mm -hmm. and then they're like cool which of these songs is going to be our opening song they name they tell us which one's going to be our opening song our solo song and then our closing song and then we improvise an entirely new musical and we have to use those song titles and so it has so this was lent obviously right so like lovey bohem was about ended up being about how like anybody can go to a Hobby Lobby or a Joann's or a craft store and buy some bohemian fabrics and be, and be like a live that bohemian life. Like you can make crafts. So we completely change every meaning of every song. It's, it's really fun because, you know, memory from cats ends up being about like uh, something like the Alamo. Yes. The Alamo. Uh, and we're all like in the musical and we're looking back at the song titles like, okay, how am I going to shoehorn this in there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how am I going to get Lovey Bohem? Oh, we did, oh, Vilkamen from, uh, we did Cabaret. Cabaret. And I was like, I was like, how do you say this? <laughs> and they were like, Vilkamen. And I was like, okay, um, here you go. I'm going to sing Vilkamen. I don't know what this is about. Uh, so it's thrilling. It's wonderful. Uh, come see it. Awesome. But... Yeah, so I learned how to write comedy songs for Mike Dakota and did that in Chicago, and then I do it here. And it's one of my favorite things to teach people Mm -hmm. because everybody thinks, I can never write a song, but you can totally write a song. Like, anybody can write a funny song. I can teach you to do it in three hours, and you'll blow your own mind. Yeah. (laughs) It's one of my favorite things to do, too. I love writing funny songs. Um, that's awesome. So I want to circle back to the birth of Stomping Ground. Mm -hmm. What has been like the most rewarding thing about owning a business? I think there's a lot of people listening who aren't getting enough work and start to create their own work or start their own theater companies. Um, so what has been the most rewarding thing about that experience? Um, 
Well, first of all, you said I own it and I totally don't. That's one of the best things about it Good. is that it's a nonprofit. So right. it's guided not by my account, but by it's guided by the vision and the mission of the organization, which I love. And I never wanted to own a business. Mm -hmm. And that's why we made it partially why we made it a nonprofit, because we really wanted it to be owned by the community and make it a place for the community and driven by what the community needed. Uh, and that's one of our favorite things about it. And yeah. making it nonprofit. So I know that most theaters, mm -hmm. theater people are just like, yeah, of course, because most it's theaters non are nonprofit, mm -hmm. um, but most comedy venues are not. Uh, most of the comedy clubs are for-profit, mm -hmm. uh, which is why they sell food, drink. You know, they're like, they, they have a bottom line and uh, don't rely on donations or grants and stuff like that. So they, you know, they have to make money. Uh, so this is actually really different and new yeah. for an improv theater to be a, a nonprofit. It's not something that it's it's new in the last few years that people are doing that. And we were excited to do it. So rewarding. <laughs> um, the most rewarding thing, without a doubt, is the work that we do. So we use improv as a mental health and wellness tool. Mm -hmm. And we... Some of our biggest programs, we teach improv for people on the autism spectrum. We teach improv for the caregivers of people who have Alzheimer's and dementia. And that is some of the most rewarding work of my entire life. Mm -hmm. Like when people say, you know, I used the things that I learned in your care, in your caregivers workshop. And now me and the person that I'm caring for who has my wife, you know, I'm caring for my wife who has Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. We laugh more. We, we connect more. We fight less. We argue about what's real and what's not real less. Mm -hmm. uh, and we communicate better and we have more joy. Like they're, you know, they'll come into the, with these stories. They're crying. They're frustrated. They yeah. fight and it's hard. And uh, and then to give them these tools that actually makes life more joyful, especially when people are nearing the end of their lives. Mm -hmm. To think of people fighting and frustrated, it breaks my heart. And so to do the work that we do, um, to use this silly thing that I've been doing for 20 years where I make people laugh and it's ridiculous, but actually use it for good is... Uh, yeah. A greater good. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, there's, this is why we did it, because of that greater good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have programs for kids, too? We do. Uh, we teach kids camps. We have three camps every summer. We have one, at, uh, we do a camp at Alquin uh, School. We do a camp at Irving Arts Center. And then last year, we were really lucky, um, Dallas City of Learning gave us a grant to hold a free week-long improv camp for teenagers in the summer. And uh, we'll be applying for that grant again and, and trying to expand it to two weeks. Mm -hmm. And it was great because, you know, our, our mission is that comedy should be for everyone, improv should be for everyone. And so we were able to give teenagers who otherwise never would have been able to, you know, camps are, camps are expensive, summer camps are expensive yeah. as heck. And we were able to give them that experience and lunch and mm -hmm. also lunch, you know, totally take care of them. And uh, that was super rewarding and super rewarding for them. Yeah. How fun is that? Because I, 
And maybe it's just like our adult brains that overcomplicate it, but I think of improv as something with a lot of rules that can be very complicated um, or something that's just inherently adult because when you have adults doing it, it always goes kind of like dirty or sure. something like that. Sure. Uh, kids, uh, kids are w- way better at improv. Because improv is all about playing mm-hmm. and pretending and stepping into the reality of others. And kids are, you know, when you're a kid you and somebody's playing dinosaurs on the playground, you're like, you walk in, you're like, oh, I'm a dinosaur now. There's no question of like, oh, shit, I don't know. What kind of dinosaur? Yeah, it's just like, oh, we're dinosaurs? Or like, oh, you're playing house? I'm the uncle. Like, there's no question. And you just jump in. But then over the course of adolescence and, you know, all of this other stuff that happens and mortgages, et cetera, et cetera, then you go, "Uh, I don't want to, if I'm vulnerable and I just jump in, I might get made fun of. Mm -hmm. Uh, so with adults, we always find in our adult classes, it's like two or three classes out of the course before they go, okay, I feel safe to share. I can be my weird quirky self and I'm okay. But we purposely build that environment. We purposely build an environment where you trust each other to be weird. Nobody's judging anyone Mm -hmm. and you can do, there are no limits except what your brain puts on you. Mm-hmm. And obviously the safety and well-being of others. Uh, but it takes a while to get adults comfortable. Mm-hmm. But kids jump in a little faster. And sure, with teenagers, there's some like, you know, teenageness. Yeah. But normally we get teenagers who are more like the theater kids. Yeah. And they sort of embrace their quirkiness. Right. And they're like, yeah, let's get in here and be weird together. Yeah. Uh, it's... Ugh. It's so wonderful to watch. And they, and so they, the bigger challenge for them is uh, getting rid of the ego because in improv, you have to lose the ego because it's not all about you. It's about the, the work mm-hmm. and it's no one is the star. Yeah. And so, and so that's the work that we have to do a lot more with kids is like, no one is the star here mm-hmm. and, and we're all working together. And, you know, when you're a kid, your world is very much about you. And so I would like to think that we're actually teaching kids, you know, this, that this, the world is not about you and the world is about what we're all doing together. Yeah. Like there are some huge life lessons that come from learning improv. And the research shows that. That's not just me saying that. (laughs) That's awesome. I think that's a perfect place to wrap up. Um, how can people learn more about Stomping Ground, find Stomping Ground? They can go support. to. Yes, please support us. Support us. Um, come take an improv class. Go to stompinggroundcomedy.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. And just come check out a show. The best way to see what we do is to come check out a show and then say that was really funny and it looked like fun and uh get involved with us volunteer give us money (laughs) or come take a class get involved in any way you can we'd love to have it love it if you have disposable income uh yeah just like laying around (laughs) uh we're here 
Uh, no, we, you know what? We need volunteers and people working our box office and being ushers just as much as we need anything else. So cool. people feel limited, like, well, I don't have money to give you. Oh, we need people. We need just yeah. hands helping us. Yeah. So that stuff is just as good. We also have internships and scholarships. So people can come get involved in that way and get free classes. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm really, I'm happy that, um, we got to talk. Rehearsals have been so fast and furious. It was nice to talk to you fast and in this capacity. Oh, and you should say, come see the show. And come see uh, the show. I think... Oh, God, what day is it? I think when it this episode comes out, it's going to come out the 16th. So there'll be one more weekend left. One weekend left. See, see Pray Love, the e- 20th and 21st at 8 o'clock at Stomping Around Comedy in the Design District. Yes. Uh, come see us. You want to see this amazing group of women being hilarious and singing mm-hmm. and acting and absolutely no dancing. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I hope, um, yeah, like I said, I, I really loved rehearsals. I love all the women that I'm working with and... We should do something, you know, like get brunch. You'll do it again. I'll get you. I'll get my hooks in you. This is what I do. I get women to come back because they're amazing, and I recruit them into my improv cult. That's perfect. (laughs) Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you. (laughs) All right, friends, that was Lindsay. You can find Stomping Ground Comedy in the Design District of Dallas, Go to their website at stompinggroundcomedy.org. And it's Women's Month and a great way to support women in comedy in your community is to come to Eat, Pray, Love. It's an all-women sketch comedy review. You can get more information about it on the Stomping Ground Facebook page or their Instagram They are selling tickets for the last weekend right now. Or if you can't make it to that, don't worry. Stomping Ground has house teams for improv, sketch. They have stand-up comedians. They're doing musical improv. You can take classes. There is plenty to do on any given weekend. So go check it out. And you heard Lindsay talk about all the amazing programs that Stomping Ground has for kids, for people with anxiety, autism, Alzheimer's, dementia. And so when you buy a ticket, your dollar is going to benefit programs that help those people learn improv and bring a lot of joy into their lives. All right, that is all for today. If you enjoyed this conversation, please go leave a written review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. All right. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week and go wash your hands.